This episode of the Applegate Experience is brought to you by 5G technology, blockchain technology, communications, and the world of difference that is just out ahead on the horizon. Looking forward to it. Visit blockchain trade market today. UAV report, AI tech zone, VRI's vision, AR sign systems, food chain fund, as this is all part of the Applegate experience. Let's get back to the show, shall we? Hurrah! Just hanging out. That's the bus right there. Making its rounds around the neighborhood to pick up the school children. Which gives me about 90 seconds to 120 seconds or so. Whoa, easy there, buddy. <laughs> Thank you for joining me on this Applegate Experience podcast. 8 o'clock a.m. on the dot, folks. Boom. 62 degrees Fahrenheit on this Wednesday, May 8th, 2019. As you may know, there was a an event, a passing of my mother-in-law which has yet to be brought to my children's attention. So some people may fight me on saying, this isn't the right way to go about it. I should be keeping them home from school. I should be taking off of work. No, no, I'm going to work. They're going to school. I'm going to come home, I'm going to hug my children like I did yesterday, as I thought for sure within the hour of them getting off of this bus, I was going to be breaking the news to them. But the event did not occur until the wee hours of the morning, as I awoke and you probably heard the other podcast from this morning, the YouTube live stream edition of the Applegate experience. So thank you for joining me. Um, let's just, uh, let's take the next 30 minutes, shall we? And kind of kick back, relax, uh, jump in the back seat for a sandwich. If you're driving a fully autonomous automobile, if you're making your commute, let's hope that uh, someday in the future, we're going to have that technology at our disposal. You'll have a m- mobile office on wheels. Let's throw this sucker into drive, shall we? And wave to the kids goodbye. Bye, children. They're innocent, innocent souls. Be well. It's tough. It really is. I think about my grandparents often. And the values instilled in me because of these experiences, having someone so close to you take the time 
when your parents drop you off at Meemaw and Peepaw's house, if you're so fortunate. See? Mom, I'm sorry that I took your grandchildren away. <laughs> so far away. But in this grand scheme of things, it's really just a stone's throw here in Shangri-La. It, it's a retreat. It's my ability to establish my family and these connections here in this neck of the woods to you know, facilitate and propagate this growth in this phase of my life and this ex experience that I'm sharing with you guys. So I talked the other day about immigration and your family heritage and I think that you know, just continuing these efforts in a new town, a new place. Some people never settle. They don't. They just continue on moving from one place to another, seeking additional opportunities and growing and expanding and developing their wealth in many cases. And I think Grant Cardone puts it very well. When he had moved from California to Miami, for one thing, there's there's less tax consequence. Um, being that you don't have to pay you know, income tax. And there are a lot of areas of the country where it, it is very similar. Wow, look at that thing. Well, sorry, you can't. But uh, hey, at some point in time, if I had some uh, super cameras here, besides my dash cam that's continuously recording all of my expeditions here, there's an oversized load, load making its way down the Catacton Mountain Highway. This tiny house. I've seen a bunch of those lately. That must have been the third one I've seen within the last week or so. And there you go. Perfect example of minimalization and getting things down to the nitty gritty. Really kind of honing in certain things where you don't have this extravagant, lavish lifestyle. Where... The rich and famous are basked in, in wealth and grandeur in mansions of such vast dimension. I mean, I'm talking anything more than three, four thousand square feet, I would estimate. These tiny houses, you're talking about 400, 800 square feet. That's it. What else do you need? To live, to survive. I mean, people are living in cardboard boxes, for God's sakes. Hence the food chain fund effort that I went through last year. This time last year, I was all in on my philanthropy. However little resources I had, and I tried to facilitate so, so much with so little. And I would thought for sure that blockchain was really going to facilitate this. And there's still a tremendous amount of potential. And I, I had no intention of bringing this, bringing this up. But again, it's just diarrhea of the mouth. Thinking about whatever comes to mind. Just popping into my head. Thinking about whatever it is. My interests, my hobbies, my passions. 
if I won the lottery, almost certainly I would dedicate more than half of my time and energy and financial resources, if I had, to philanthropic efforts. I would get involved in the community. I would establish, you know, a brick-and-mortar facility for folks to come in and redeem their crypto through through these donation efforts. Hence, the the food chain system. Foodchain.systems. That is equivalent to a far-off galaxy for tomorrow. But you know it's there. You know it's out there. There's life on other planets, folks, if you didn't already comprehend. And the potential that's going, this alternate universe, this food chain system that I am developing ever so slowly, I know it's just as if it were an evolution of an amoeba over hundreds of millions of years through so many replications it is morphing into something greater ever so slowly on the microscopic scale and as long as I know that it is being developed and I have a team at some point in time to help establish this foundation even greater. Once it is visible, what is once it is released to the public, I mean, you, there's nothing to it right now. It's just a cockamamie idea for most of you. But what is the food chain? Who are we on the food chain, folks? If, if you want to help fund the food chain, then foodchain.fund is where it's at. Bitcoin is accepted. All cryptocurrencies would be accepted. I've got a dozen addresses from EOS and Tron to Litecoin, Ethereum, and so on. Where there are thousands of cryptocurrencies in existence and there will be tens of thousands more. It's just a tokenization, a transaction of sorts, of goods and services, and of value. A storage of value. How do you value something that is not tangible? There's no fiat associated with this. It is independent, it is decentralized, and nobody controls it. If there was a Steve coin, I'm sure there may be. I mean, what is it worth? There's definitely a bad coin. Joel Com and Travis Wright, you guys, you guys understand. You got it at an early stage. Many of us who continue through this existence and don't realize that it's coming, it's going to be revolutionary. It will be greater than the agricultural revolution of 150 years ago, where we were able to bring food to the table and the logistics of things are just going to be just astronomical being able to track everything from point A to point Z and everything in between along those lines 
I'm looking at digging and rigging this 18-wheeler making its way down the Catacton Mountain Highway just ahead of that tiny house that was just on that flatbed, on that oversized load. Look at these guys. What are we doing here? How many millions of automobiles are on these roads just in my region, in your region, in your neck of the woods? Does it matter? The data is valuable to somebody somehow. So the more I talk about it, the more my circle of influence will become aware of it, the more passionate I become in bringing this forward, in stressing the fact that we are going to be inundated in our everyday lives with technology such as this. 5G is just going to be the next step. 6, 7, 8. What happens in the 10th generation of these amazing things? Forgive me a second. I got to grab a charging wire from the back seat here because my device is going to die if I don't plug it in. Or maybe not. All right, I'll just let it roll. 50%. Oh, look at that. 51% is what I've got on this battery, which is fine. It's all well and good. Let it go. Let it go. The technological winter um, is nowhere to be seen. A 51% attack on these cryptocurrencies is often something to be very concerned about. Speaking of 51%, when somebody in the arena of uh, technology and blockchain is able to control more than 50%, 51% of this attack uh, of a decentralized platform in these nodes uh, that are distributed across the globe and mining the uh, data. You, know, you talk about mining Bitcoin and being able to have a uh, proof of work reward on a blockchain block that's equivalent to a certain amount of data, right? And you're transacting and verifying that these transactions are valid, going all the way back to the beginning. <clears throat> In many cases, blockchain on the Bitcoin platform goes back more than a decade. So there has to be verification. There's going to be more and more data that's being processed the further into the future we go. And there's going to be scarcity. That, that is the nature of blockchain. There, scarcity is built into it. There's always going to be a finite number of crypto. And I hear you right now. Craig, I, I hear you. You're, you're a Bitcoin fanatic. And you are an aficionado. I must agree. But please understand that uh, most of us who are uh, appreciative of this technology also believe that Bitcoin, being the grandfather of cryptocurrencies, is not the only crypto worth anything.
this storage of value continues. And it will continue. It will expand, and there will be many, many, many more. Uh, there are trading pairs that are popping up every day. But there's more than just Bitcoin. There might even be a Tesla coin or a Walmart coin, a Wegmans coin, an Amazon coin. There's definitely going to be a Facebook coin. We know that. It's coming. <laughs> and that's going to be huge. Tim Draper of Twitter. $10,000 a week he's sinking into Bitcoin. He's a firm believer. He knows. How about a Twitter coin for that, for that matter? Folks, it's, it's just a matter of time that we all get there. And the data is, is what's valuable here. We're looking at every car on the road here. There, there, there's also a, a concern of privacy issues. But the nature of this technology is transparency. So you'd have to actually build additional networks around this technology that will facilitate not only security on top of transparency, but also efficiency. And in nature and by itself, it is inefficient because of our infrastructure and our ability to, our inability, seriously, to integrate uh, any new systems into our existing infrastructure. You know, I'm looking at this Ford Explorer, this police interceptor, XLT, blacked out, black rims, black windows, black paint. Look at that, smoky glass, beautiful automobile. This SUV is probably a few years old, right? Dual exhaust, 4x4. Four four. And it's probably got a USB port. It's probably got Wi-Fi and maybe even Bluetooth enabled. But what about 5G enableization? At some point, when cars are fully autonomous, my car would recognize that vehicle in being within proximity of one another. In fact, when the network is so vast and so advanced, at some point, we'll still be able to communicate this vehicle to that in understanding that there's a GPS coordinate within the region. That data may be valuable at some point in time, but the storage of value Knowing that now the vehicle is 400 meters away, several miles, if not kilometers, thousands of kilometers away, at some point in the future, is it going to be relevant to reference the data that just occurred? To the police, I'm sure it may be. Tracking. And looking at the, a marked SUV, looking at the state trooper right now. Another Ford Explorer police interceptor. This guy's fitted out with everything, all the bells and whistles. He's got markings to the wazoo. And his light bar and antennas and uh, spotlights are all visible. So you know it's a police officer. 
and law enforcement is definitely going to take advantage of these tools. And I wouldn't be surprised if um, government entities are already doing so. Obviously, this is most of this is all stemming from technology and research that has been developed in the private sector and government institutions have been slowly incubating these efforts as if it were starting on the microscopic scale and emerging now for the very first time as the germination is above ground. I am not a uh, technologist, I am not a futurist so much, but I speculate and I think about uh, all these fantastic things. I think it's completely, oh, this guy's in the middle of the street. Oh my goodness. He's going to get slammed by somebody. All right. He had a blowout on both left tires on this pickup truck. Sorry for the interruption, folks, but the white Dodge Ram on the interchange here on 340 South off of uh, 70. So I'm sure he's uh, on, the, on the line with emergency services, but uh, there was a bit of sod debris on the road, and about 100 yards ahead, there was this vehicle literally in the middle of the highway. God forbid somebody comes up behind him and takes him out. That could be a, a fatal accident, folks. <clears throat> so there you go. If you've got um, an emergency warning system uh, for a fully autonomous vehicle that is communicating with a disabled vehicle up ahead, you could anticipate obstacle avoidance. You could network these um, instances to emergency for emergency preparedness and emergency response. So when you're in an emergency situation, it's a matter often of life and death. So I don't take it lightly, especially as our roadways are going to become inundated with more and more instances such as this. Hundreds of thousands, millions of vehicles are going to be hitting the road in addition to what we're seeing today. So the question is, how are we going to best prepare in response to congestion and sustainability? And petroleum fuel is one issue. But technology and maintaining our safety on the roadways is much greater, in my opinion. Uh, we want to make sure things are efficient and flow and the logistics are, are there. So I, I think there's going to be a legitimate shift in recent efforts, I'd say within the next decade. There's going to be a significant... Uh, advancements 
as it pertains to fully autonomous vehicles, unmanned aerial vehicles, uh, UAV dot report uh, definitely focuses on the current news and events that are occurring now with uh, fully autonomous unmanned aerial vehicles and this will trans translate into uh, ride sharing uh, personal vehicles being sent out uh, to work for you if in fact you own your own fully autonomous automobile and eventually they'll be flying around not only just navigating the streets uh, unattended but yeah these things will be efficient enough to be on their own out in the world working for you paying your bills paying your utility it'll probably pay for itself uh, tenfold but they're going to be expensive and you're going to have to finance it for the most part unless if you're financially wealthy or well off and independent in that matter but yeah looking at the old uh, 67 ford pickup parked in the driveway here it's uh a far cry from the good old internal combustion days carburetors and catalytic converters man i'm not a mechanic but uh i can appreciate you know the nostalgia when it comes along to riding in a, a 72 camaro and just getting that whiff of the exhaust and the thrust of the horsepower man it's exhilarating it really is but for a Sunday afternoon, if you want to go for a weekend drive and you've got a Corvette in the garage, hey, if it's a Stingray, man, people are going to love you. In fact, the neighbor had his 72 out and that thing was rumbling. I was like, what is that? Is that a helicopter? What is that sound? And he had the thing warming up in the garage for about five minutes before he took it out and... Uh, up the road and he's only going 15 miles an hour but the thing is so impressive but for for how long what is the cost of upkeep for something like that what is the insurance and the cost for maintaining a classic vehicle like that a hot rod in your garage most of you who have a collection of automobiles such as that, you're not worried about that. It just comes along as part of the overhead. So good for you. For the rest of the population, at least here in the United States, you've got, uh, we've got limited resources. And we are trying and struggling our best to make ends meet. So think about your position in life, whether it be, you know, technologically advanced or the inverse, being a nature freak and just disconnecting as much as possible, not even having any inclination to connect one way or another. I can, I can appreciate the spectrum the na nature of things the the ease of use or disuse 
and uh, just kind of just sitting back and letting nature take its course. Or, on the other hand, facilitating as much as possible education and technology that's advancing our civilization, our humanity on this sphere. This networking of communications, marketing efforts, and business. In addition to agriculture, Thank you for joining me on this Applegate Experience podcast. If you haven't already, make it a great day. Put a smile on your face. Remember to help somebody today. Cross the street. Pay it forward. If you're at the drive-thru at the fast food establishment, pay for the next guy behind you, will ya? Shake someone's hand say thank you do good stuff and enjoy your life live it healthy and be well thank you everybody if you haven't already Make it a great day. Bye for now.